You're listening to the Ghost Light Podcast for Season 2, Episode 4 of the television series Slings and Arrows. Fair is foul, and foul is fair. Macbeth is crazy, Lady Macbeth is sexy, Duncan is silly, Prince Malcolm's a dolly, Banquo's got an apple, Macbeth finds Duncan dead. Three witches and welcome back to the uh, Ghostlight Podcast. I am your expert host, Paul Mackey, and with me is my lovely wife, Darcy Zepernick. Hello. And our other newbies on other portions of the uh, North American continent, uh, we've got uh, Ben Pfeiffer. Hello. And Amy Bowen. Hello, everybody. And we're here, as I said uh, before the, so- the uh, song that... Uh, this is episode four, Fair is Foul and Foul is Fair, uh, which is a quote from The Witches. I don't think I need to... I, I did not actually look up which scene and which... Uh, is that from the very first Act 1, yep. Scene 1? Mm-hmm. It is. It In is. fact, it's the <coughs> end of Act 1, Scene 1. All right, so I am going to do the uh, the one-minute plot synopsis of this episode as best I can, close to a minute, as close to a minute without going over as I can manage. <laughs> Do you want me to give you the countdown, Paul? Who can forget the clarinet? Who's got a stopwatch? I got a stopwatch. Paul's got a stopwatch. Well, and I am Well, I am on and it. And you're married to him, so I don't know if I count that either. <laughs> don't worry. Trust me. I never give this guy an inch. Oh. Right. Well, I will be doing a uh, okay. control here. All right. Go. And what? Who's, who's telling me to who's go? Who's telling you to go? Oh, Darcy's. I don't know. I'm going to tell you to go. All right. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one, and. That means go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I the go is silent, like it's on TV. On TV? You know? Okay, yeah. Okay. You're, you're uh, eight seconds in. Wow. Good. Better get on it. <clears throat> All right. So we've got uh, Jeffrey living in the theater in the prop room, and uh, he's uh, he's uh, only really noticed in doing this by, by Naum, who is... Uh, Who's scared of him, and uh, and Ellen notices uh, in the meantime as well. Um, we've got uh, Ellen is is dealing with the audit at uh, Revenue Canada, and she needs an accountant. And she lucky luckily she has a uh, uh, has a uh, accountant brother in law who is a bit of a bit of a you know uh, he's, he's he's helpful, but he's also got problems with her lifestyle, and uh, they end up uh, doing it. Um, meanwhile, we've got uh, the uh, the uh, rebranding campaign is in full swing, and uh, Richard is as much as he would like to say that everything's fine once they uh, see once he sees the uh, numbers that are coming out of the uh, the papers. Uh, it's 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 extremely bad, and um, so. Uh, but Sanjay says, Keep, you know, go crazy, learn a clarinet, whatever. So he says, okay, I'll I'll, I'll at least learn a clarinet, and. Um, the Macbeth performance, uh, the Macbeth uh, stuff is going on. The the, the uh, <laughs> rehearsals are going on, and uh, they uh, they're not going real well. Uh, the the com- communication between the director and the uh, the cast is is broken, and the decisions that he's making are being uh, being uh, de- denied by his uh, cast. And he ends up firing Henry at the end of the episode. Uh, then the other the other thing is the uh, su- extremely suspect named Lionel Train is uh, is rehearsing his uh, is workshopping his play and that is going uh, exceedingly poorly as well. Two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and strike the uh, ten second false oh. start. So a minute fifty. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm, what was what was Amy's? 
Yep, that's I, I had mine. I also started mine about when Paul started talking, and I... Oh, you mean when I did? Yeah, what was your oh. count? It was less. Was it less than that? It was like one forty something, right? Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm long here. You're long. But, yeah, uh, I think so. I don't remember what <coughs> it was. Alex was rather long as well. Yeah, like, yeah. That's true. I think yes. I'm pretty sure Alex went a minute and a half. It's a good thing that I'm tracking these things and keeping track and have a scorecard on this. Mine <laughs> was 59 seconds. I would like it to be known. Yep. Yes, I, you, we haven't and forgotten. Only, and you only missed all of Scra- Frog Hammer, yeah? Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess you can skip bits, can't you? Is that legal? Nobody said you could. Yeah, okay. I, probably, I probably skipped something, although I tried to cover it all. And I didn't crack my notes. You, you didn't. My notes were here, but I didn't. You didn't. You didn't hear a whole. You didn't hear a whole lot of this. Yeah. I skipped around a lot. I know that much. You didn't talk about Juliet, Romeo and Juliet. Ah, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Totally well, we'll get. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> You're right. Good point. Okay. Are we oh, ready well. to, to 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 launch into this sucker at a granular level? I think sure. we should. Sure. Okay. Let's go. Okay. So. At the cold open, uh, actually, very, very immediate first thing that I've got to say is that uh, the uh, Idget cast is returning in the spring, and uh, it's going to have a uh, all-new expert and mostly new newbies, uh, but I am the, one of the old newbies that's coming back. Um, and this is... Um, this, this is the uh, Supernatural. Supernatural, yes. Yes, and you can look for it at Quadruple Z. It's uh, it's where it was originally hosted, and there's still the old blog there, and uh, there will be more updates there and here as well. And this uh, particular mention within after saying cold open is funny if you've seen the pilot for Supernatural, and it's a total non sequitur otherwise. Amy and Darcy, have you seen the uh, pilot to Supernatural? Yeah. Not. No. Hmm. But since Darcy has. Darcy has. Yeah. Trying to, I'm trying to figure out what your. What's the very first thing you see in the cold open? Oh, yeah, now <laughs> yeah, that's I funny. Remember. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that is that's, funny. That is funny. That okay. is funny. That's okay, funny. got uh-huh. it. But if, uh, but if not, uh, if you're, if you, if you have never actually seen the series, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil no, it here. No, we're not gonna spoil it because you can uh, join in with us on the Edgecast uh, yeah. coming in uh, sometime in. I believe it'll end up being about June. Sweet. And uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not currently going to really reveal any of the other uh, uh, members of the uh, podcast at this point. Uh, so the cold open. Cold open. Cold open. Back on track. Oliver chooses to jar Jeffrey from slumber to show off a concept for Banquo's ghost. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and I noticed it was. I noticed that Jeffrey, I mean, Oliver did indeed look exactly or a lot like Jerry did after his bicycle epi- ac- accident in the last oh, episode. Yeah. He totally did, yep. Lots of blood. And uh, mm-hmm. I know that we uh, had at some point commented on the uh, the convention that he mostly wears what he was buried in. Obviously, he can alter his appearance because this is a complete. He's wearing a complete costume and, and dripping blood, and then the next scene back into the costume he was buried in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I did not. Goodness. Well, not even the, not even the next scene, but like like they, in tr- that scene, they, they yeah. turn around in that scene and they cut cut <laughs> to him completely in his and then back again and then mm-hmm. back to the back mm-hmm. to the uh, blood again. Then is I, this the only time that he's not wearing that suit that we've seen so far in uh, the past? What, ten episodes. There was the television interview with Basil where he had the uh, like the um, the banker's uh, what do you call it visor. Mm-hmm. For oh yeah, reason. that's right. You like you, you, mm-hmm. you, changed, you made some costume choices there. Uh, otherwise, I don't know if we've seen him in a whole lot of other garb. Mm. Yeah, you're right, and you're, that's a really good point, and that is 
something I totally failed to pick up on. What I did pick up on was, well, here's what I thought, but now that you mentioned that, I might be totally wrong here. He might have just kind of generated that himself. But what I wrote in my notes was, that has to be real stage blood, because Jeffrey can definitely really feel it, judging by the way he reacts. So I put, if there was any question remaining about whether or not Oliver can interact with physical objects, this answers it, yes. But, but if, the blood was gone. Yeah, the blood it? disappeared. That's right. Yeah. Hmm, and I and I have totally failed to notice that. So thanks so much for noticing that. I also noticed he's sleeping on a prop couch. Yeah, prop couches are sweet, aren't they? These prop couches are horrid because they take all of the nice springs and gushy things out of them. Yeah. So that they're lighter. Oh, so you can. Totem oh. on and off stage easily. Uh-huh. So if you ever have to sleep on a prop couch, which I have never done. Oh, of course not. Yeah, it's not very comfortable. Hmm, <laughs> mm, that makes sense. I never knew that. Also, one of the lines that I noticed in this scene was, Oliver says, we're roomies now. And I, I said, I'd say I guess that means Oliver is officially the theater ghost. There you go. Although we do know that he did appear over at the elementary school play, so he's not oh. absolutely bound to the location. Well, there you he's go. just a theater ghost. He yes. goes to every theater he can yeah, go to. Yeah, he was in the school's theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there That's you go. That's right. A theater ghost. Uh, so, uh, Jeffrey uh, is, uh, you know, talking with Oliver, and he gets burst in on by Nayum, who's going who's gonna to sweep him really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? And what does that mean, Paul? Well, he comes in brandishing a broom going, I realize it. Okay. Right. Well, hopefully that wasn't too loud for everybody. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, But, you know, so Jeffrey is sleeping in the prop room or uh, or at his lake. His lake. His lake. Yeah. As he uh, tells me. the prop room. The prop room is his lake. Don't think the prop room is anybody's lake, really. Right. So uh, post uh, post uh, Oliver saying that he was going to make eggs. I don't know what making eggs means exactly in the prop room of a theater, and I think it's just that they're 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 being an odd couple or something. Uh, something like that. Anyhow, then we go to the cold open, and after or then we go to the open rather the uh, the, the the musical open. Uh, post that we have the uh, sleepy teacher with penny hurling students. He's woken up and he is canceling all of his school's bookings. At thirty-six, was it thirty-six? Thirty-six thousand dollars, something I think like so. that. Yeah. Ouch. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. This was Gavin Gilfrig's or Gilfrog's? Uh, Gilchrist. Gilchrist, gotcha. And the thirty-five-year-old high school students. And yes. the thirty-five-year-old high school students. Especially that blonde woman. Like she has wrinkles. <laughs> I just just because she's wearing like a toboggan, I just don't get it. But uh. whatever. But they do they do seem uh they do seem appropriately drug addled compared to anything in first season. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> they do seem stoned. Yes. Um into the audit. Revenue Canada woman is meeting with Ellen about the audit. Uh she's listed as Revenue Canada woman and she's in ter- in terms of IMDb, she's not even listed in this episode at all, although I'm sure she must have been credited somewhere in the uh in the actual episode credits. Her name, the actress, is Karen Robinson. She's a Canadian actress who has worked in the past in uh, many theater companies in Ontario, including the, the Stratford Festival, Stratford Festival, and the uh, Soul Pepper. Oh, hmm. Soul Pepper Theater Company, which is, uh, of course, uh, originally founding members were um, 
Susan Coyne and Mark um, McKinney. No, not Mark McKinney. Mark McKinney. Oh. Um, um, uh, I believe Martha Burns. Martha Burns. You mentioned that Ellen. in the previous yes. episode. Martha Burns yeah. or Ellen and uh, Susan Coyne and, or Anna. So we're supposed to like Ellen, right? Like we're supposed to root for her as a character or is uh, she supposed to no, be – I think she's supposed to be – Horrible. At, I think at best she's supposed to be lovably unlikable, but I – She is just at unlikable. Best. Like anytime she interacts with anyone in the service industry, she is awful. Mm-hmm. And yes. I have no time for that. And I once again cannot stand her. And she's and as a scene in this scene. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the the uh, it's it's very obvious that she's uh, that, that 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 Karen Robinson is playing a black Nazi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul. Well, that's what she calls her as a as a Nazi. Nope. Right. Uh, but it, I I suspect that the tax forms that she's mentioning are all you know standard and well known in Canada, but it's. Foreign to me. Uh. Yeah, well, I, technically, I it literally guessing, is. Yes. You know, I was guessing. Well, that must be like a W. Yeah, the T, a the, w- the, T, the T slips are the W twos. I get a W four since I work for a higher education, but a ten ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of was thinking, like when I started doing my taxes, computers were a thing, but not a thing where you can instantly get any of this information if you didn't have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is 2005, and by then I know you could because mm. when I was doing my taxes, I don't know if I had completely gone to TurboTax yet, but was either this year or the year after where I just did everything online, mm-hmm. and if I didn't have my W-2, I could easily request another copy of it. I mean, I may have to pay for it, but yes. I could have gotten it. Yeah. Well, Ellen doesn't know mm-hmm. anything about money. Anything at all. Right. Yeah, she doesn't even know what the yeah. form is. So, Which is, I, I can't imagine going through life not knowing that and not having, yeah, but. Yeah, the, yeah. About, the only, uh, about the only thing in there that I really got was that she doesn't, she's uh, self-employed but doesn't have a GST number, and that's uh, the goods and services tax in Canada. But, I know that I've requested a, rec- uh, a refund on goods and services tax when I've traveled there. Okay. And I know that <laughs> I, I mean, in the U.S., you have to have tax ID number. Yeah, tax, it's and the same thing. I can't imagine not knowing that you would Needed have to, to have, one? have that. Well, she's, mm-hmm. she's clueless. Clearly. Clearly. Yep. So, mm. Another reason she not to like her. That world. She doesn't live in that world. She doesn't. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have she to deal doesn't. with. It. Understand money. She doesn't. She's an actor. She doesn't live in an ivory tower mm. like someone who works at H and R Block obviously does. <laughs> well, this is Revenue Canada. This is. A, she's a yeah. government, government pe- paper pusher. I understand, yeah. but still, I mean, she's an accountant. Still, mm-hmm. anyways. <laughs> I don't yes. like. I have to say, I don't like Ellen in this scene either. She's mm-hmm. soulless bureaucrat, really, to the person in question. I'm not a fan of you this episode, Ellen. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I put in my notes. I, yeah, this episode I've disliked El- Ellen more than ever. Well, it seems like she um, has a, she kind of flies off the handle when she feels uncomfortable. That's when she gets really rude. Yeah. 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 Well, that's not an excuse. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Don't worry. I am not defending Ellen, trust yeah, me. Yeah, no, I know you're not. I'm just saying Ugh. there is no reason to ever act like that. Mm-mm. And, uh, yeah. And uh, she, she doesn't really seem to have much of a comfort zone then because she doesn't seem to be comfortable all that often. No. She needs a $120 bra to feel secure. <laughs> That's coming later. I, I don't think I've ever bought a bra for that much. Ever. Hmm. Ever well, in my life. Me neither, man. I know. Jeez. <laughs> you didn't have it for the, for the, for the maiden three sisters? No. no? Not, I don't even think I wore a bra. Well, 20s are cool. 
Twenties <laughs> are cool that way, right? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I wasn't even twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Pervert. <laughs> and you didn't even notice I wasn't wearing a bra. <laughs> no. No. Oh, was it because you were looking at my eyes? Yeah. <laughs> Right answer. Okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> There's a brief scene where uh, Jeffrey is talking with Oliver about the failed cohabitation. Uh, I don't have much more than that brief sentence to mention that that happened because it goes straight into other things. Uh, I don't even remember that happening. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Oliver says something along the lines of, well, so she left you, and he says, uh, or uh, so, so she's kicked you out, or whatever it was. And yeah, it was uh, it was basically more or less reiterating what happened, I think, almost. Almost, right, a, right. almost a previously on. Okay. Um, Richard tries to tell Anna that everything's going okay. After. Oh, real quick, uh, uh, there's a Sean Cullen. Yeah, the ba- uh, Basil shot. The Basil, right the Basil byline cameo. <laughs> yes, yes. I wonder if he gets uh, if he gets royalties because that is his picture. That is his picture, and I believe he does come up as a special appearance or something like I that. I think so. Yeah. Either so at the you- either either at tail of show or head of show. I can't remember which. It would have been Taylor's show because I didn't see it in the opening credits. Yeah. Because I look for Sean Collins' name. He's my fave. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, then after he, after he continues to repeat that, uh, that you know, this is, this is good. Everything is, everything is going according to plan. It's all good. Uh, Anna gives him the uh, sheet that says exactly what the numbers are saying for real, and he uh, just about hyperventilates. Uh, those numbers are not good. And uh, after uh, getting Anna's honest opinion on the campaign, he decides he'd better get in touch with his good old pal Sanjay. I don't like Sanjay. No, I no. Do you, you do you like him as a as a as a wacky character? No, or? no, no. He just annoys me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, then next, at ba- another scene at Revenue Canada, Ellen is calling her sister to get her brother-in-law Bob. Oh, wait, no, Ed. <laughs> On the case. On the case. Well, <laughs> yeah, on the case. The caper. He, yes. He, he's, he's in, uh, shuffling through her papers. <laughs> That's what you want to call it? So once again, Ellen is horrible and terrible and selfish. She does that to her sister? I know, right? I would be like, you know, fuck you. He's, thum- he's thumbing through her spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's still stuck on any window. What are you doing? Start shooting cough drops over there. And <laughs> whack you with them. You're... There you go. Ah, hey. You better get that. The cattle get it. <laughs> the cattle. The cattle love that. No, Iris will pick it up and put it in her mouth. Swell. <laughs> She'll be surprised. It tastes horrible. And put it in the cat's mouth. No, her own. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's candy. Here, kitty. Have some candy. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ellen, uh, you know, fails to remember exactly what Ed's name is, and then for, fails to remember exactly how many children her sister has, and uh, is generally a friendly sort in that particular mm-hmm. phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get to Darren Nichols, uh, the, f- the first appearance in the episode of Darren Nichols. His love of theater, newfound in Berlin, is apparently rooted in intellectualism, or uh, mumbo-jumbo, <laughs> depending on your point of view. Uh for instance, my own passing familiarity with Roland Barthes extends mainly to knowing how to spell his name to look him up on Wikipedia, and then it takes a little bit of effort not to pronounce it Barthes uh, just now. 
the, the wiki was really impenetrable from the level that I, <laughs> I was able to get to. Yeah, Roland Bart is a philosopher and... Uh, yeah, that it, it. I didn't get it. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't work right too, over my head too. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't work very hard at it, but I did. Uh, I did take a peek. Um, but you know, at, at the moment, he seems like about about as much of a buffoon as he was in season one. But we'll we'll see exactly what happens in a, in in later scenes. Yep. About this scene, yes. there's an exchange where I believe it's Frank and Cyril say to each other, "What is going on? No idea." And I wrote, "I can answer that question." Darren is clearly demonstrating that what he said before about being in love with the idea of theater is absolutely true. He's in love That's with ideas. What I think. In love with ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think actually it was Sarah who asked what was going on, and uh, ah, and um, Jerry, Jerry, who oh, said, Jerry, Jerry, oh, who okay. said he had no idea. Thanks. That's, Thank that's okay. you. Hey, real quick, can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have the spinning pinwheel of death, and my. Skype call counter has stopped, so I didn't know. I may it may crashed on me, but let's just keep going. All right. Well, you haven't crashed on us. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. I I didn't note though that um, Darren is wearing scarves a lot, and he he wears scarves. This is like 2005, right? So mm-hmm. he's like on the cutting edge of fashion because well, scarves for men come into on the, huge favor in like two more years after this. On the on the one hand, but he's also wearing cross cross matching stripes depending on whether you look at his jacket or his shirt. Right, right. <laughs> well, he's also got the hipster glasses. I mean, he's kind of kind of there. Maybe not all of it is going to land. He's got zippers on his pants, which is odd, but he's fashion forward, Paul. Fashion. You learned that in Berlin. Fashion forward. I don't have access to the uh, sound cues from Ramjack. <laughs> but, but don't all theater guys wear scarves? Scarves? Seriously, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a, it's a the theater thing. The men that I know in theater don't. Well, that I, is good. <laughs> the ladies I know in theater don't, but... I've never seen bride couples in a scarf. That's what I was kind of thinking. I've never yeah. seen him in a scarf. I, oh, wait, Alex does, but I don't know if he if you <laughs> consider him a theater person anymore. Right. Anyways. And I don't know what Paranasek wears, so... I've never seen him in a scarf either. I've been, I've gone to a couple of his shows since I moved back to Chicago. He's pretty good. All right. Yeah, this is this is not tangential because this is theater. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about actual theater and, and podcasters scarves. and scarves and scarves and podcasters and we're a podcast and about theater <laughs> and scarves and scarves. <laughs> uh, Ellen and Jeffrey continue their ongoing dialogue on personal versus business, and they're thankfully interrupted by Mummily. Because basically she, she she's she, yeah she's coming Emily. into uh, Ellen is coming into the theater and Jeffrey is interrupting her basically to say hey let's keep personal personal and and business business which is basically what they've been arguing about for two or, two or three episodes now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During that conversation, um, Ellen asked, "So you're living in the storage room now? Yes. How's that working for you? I like it. It's an easy commute." I wrote in my notes, between Jeffrey living in the storage room and the way Nahum reacted to finding him there, I'd say Jeffrey seems to be accomplishing the remarkable feat of being a theater ghost without actually being dead. There you go. (laughs) Just a little facetious um, observation there. Oh, no, I I wholeheartedly think that Nahum thinks that he, at least the first time that he catches him, he is the ghost. Yeah. (laughs) Or a regular, but... I like the fact to think that he was ghost. He's the one who's putting out the ghost light. He's the one who <laughs> mm-hmm. brought up the ideas of ghosts. You know, That's right. To the audience. Door to the other side. And, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
beckoning it's them. It's not a good play. Ooh. Hates Macbeth. <laughs> That's right. Either that, or either that, or either that, or you are sleep curling. <laughs> <laughs> Broom goes on the floor, not in the air. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Skip We're also be. a podcast about Canadian jokes. There you go. <laughs> hmm. So, um, Henry has trouble with his blocking. Why do? Why does he have to be all the way out on this thrust that they spend all this money on instead of uh, you know way back there? And uh, I can't tell if Oliver's being facetious about three seconds of his ass to the audience being a bad thing <laughs> or a good thing or what exactly. I, I couldn't really interpret what he was trying to go through there. Well, part of him getting this dude to do Macbeth is not only does he like and like him as an actor and his craft and think he's a master, but he's also like drastically attracted to him, right? I yeah. believe I so. I think that was kind of like a reference back to that, that he is still really attracted to this man. Yeah, I thought so too. I speculated on that in a previous episode, so good point. And I think this is more evidence for that. Yeah. Also, I was just, apart from that, I was just fascinated by the working out of the little detailing in rehearsal. This is all completely new to me, since I've never been present for a theater rehearsal before, so I'm very interested in learning what goes on and how these things work. I liked this scene. I, I have a question about that as well, because hmm? like the only time I've ever done theater is high school. So in high school, we just do whatever the teacher says. In real theater, are the actors ever vocal like that to say, well, what if we did this? I mean, I would assume that would depend on the director, but sometimes that would be encouraged. Other times that would be like taboo. treading on sacred ground. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it is entirely up to the director that you're working with, because there are some directors that like that and there are some directors that are yes yeah, really so, some 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 mean. directors where it's collaboration and some directors where it's an interference right right and then okay. you know college theater it's um it's not frowned upon at all it's actually encouraged and then um in so, some of the regional theater i've done it's also uh encouraged but it's not something you would want to do on a regular basis you know it's just sparingly right. so yeah so, anyways, uh, I, they, uh, Jeffrey decides not to uh, make a decision on the uh, blocking at that point. And next scene, Sanjay is sticking with his uh, backing of the plan. This is all going according to plan, and then he tries to direct Richard to free his mind and, and to come at it with a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. As a, I, I am a clarinet player myself, and I can see what Sanjay is getting at. Trying something new, illogical, something you've never tried before can definitely be an eye-opening and a liberating experience. More on that, more on the clarinet playing thing later, though. All right, then. I have, I have more notes further down of when there are more scenes with it. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey finally tells Oliver off and says that he doesn't like Oliver's show. Yeah, he just doesn't like your play. And I, I kind of, I really like, like this scene a lot. Yeah. Uh... Mainly because it highlights having creative differences with a peer and admitting them to them that you don't like what they're doing creatively. And that's something that's very hard to do, uh, at least that I found recently in my own life, just to be like, I, just to express your differences without hurting their feelings. Now, obviously, it's, this is a television show, and like that's not 
as big and important. But I think that maybe Jeffrey was kind of like unsure about expressing that to Oliver for that reason. And so I actually really, really liked the scene. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. I agreed. I liked that scene too. And I wrote in my notes, Paul Gross and Stephen Weematch do some great acting in this scene. Jeffrey's brutal honesty and Oliver's speechless reaction to being told, I just don't like your play, are just beautifully done. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next scene, Ed has arrived to comb through Ellen's squirrel's nest. I'm not that innuendo <laughs> was pretty good, oh, actually. That, that one was <laughs> written down. That was, that was not improvised on... That was great. Put that right there. <laughs> And that wasn't meant to be an innuendo. <laughs> really? 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 Uh-huh. Ed is Ben Carlson. Uh, he's currently listed as a current company member at Stratford in his seventh season. This coming 2014 season, he's playing the chaplain in Mother Courage and Her Children. I can't remember who our chaplain was. Uh, that big guy. The big guy. Oh, yeah, the big guy. Okay, yeah. What was his name? Uh, ashamedly, I can't remember it at all. I totally... No. No. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. That's just, all right. This coming season, he's, uh, he's uh, the chaplain in uh, Mother Courage and Her Children. He just wrapped up in uh, a role in Mary Stewart. Hmm. Masterson. Uh, not so much. No. Okay. I wrapped up a role in Mary Stewart Masterson. <laughs> just keep dreaming. <laughs> so it turns out Darren Nichols is actually, uh, well, he's a bit strident. <laughs> Uh, conducting exercises where the actors don't look at each other and are playing their opposite roles. and uh, I understand the exercises, mm, but... I understand the purpose of some exercises. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand the entire rehearsal period being exercises. Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. I, bad I, plan. That, that does not seem... Very bad plan. I've seen that happen. Really? It was, it was actually it was a kid's show, too. Oh, it was the kids' show, and the kids didn't get their lines memorized or their blocking memorized. It was horrid. Oh, because they were just all figuring out what their uh, internal internal monologue should be? Yeah, and they didn't know what the heck to do. They, they couldn't do their external monologue because they were too stuck on their internal monologue? Yeah, we had to, we had to postpone, actually. We had wow. to postpone. Yay! Mm. And the director went, too. The director had to go? The director went, yep. Oh, well, Richard uh, took over. Oh, uh, resigned or quit? Or resigned or... Booted. Out of here. Booted. Fired. 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 Uh, so, yeah, Sarah, Sarah really uh, would like to play some Juliet, but uh, Patrick's having a fine old time of it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a funny scene. It was funny. It was funny, I'll, but I, I'll I, be honest, it was funny. I, 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 I actually had a lot of trouble with, with Darren in this scene. He, you, he, the previous scene, he seemed like the, the season one buffoon. This scene, he seemed really... Rude. Really rude. Is it weird that I like have no qualms with Darren? You, no, no. You, I can I can understand <laughs> it. It's but I mean I think he's just the quirky. I've been, like, yeah, I've been watching him as comic relief all this time, but this particular rewatch, it was just like this scene. This it you really got it's me. Mean. He was just really mean. He yelled at. Them. I think maybe because I well I, I was gonna say I think maybe because I don't really know Romeo and Juliet that I don't I'm not as offended by that. But I was really offended by Ellen and the IRS agent or the uh, Canadian person. You know, um, and, and you I don't know. What, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, you know, the yeah. other thing that was just occurring to me was that uh, it could be because he shouted so much at her. And previous times that I've watched this, he was shouting at Sarah, who plays Juliet in this. In this, uh, you know, he's, he's shouting at Sarah. But uh, this time around, he was shouting at uh, 
Joanne Kelly, who plays uh, who plays uh, Micah on Warehouse 13, oh, <laughs> who I so like, who have... watched for six seasons or something like that. So I think maybe I you you got a little defensive. I had this I had this connection where it was you know, there was a connection instead of uh, instead of just you know he's yelling at that poor actress. He's yelling at he's yelling at Micah. Gosh darn it! That's not very nice. I like her. Yes, exactly. Okay. Oh, and then we get to uh, the uh, Lionel Train Workshop. What the hell? Well, I, a, I feel like there's some kind of in joke here that I should get. I, I get. am wondering about that too. Well, you know, the Lionel Train is—he's a character and not a real person. But I'm still leaning pseudonym. Really? 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 I don't know. Um, I, it bothers me. I'm confused. But the but the fun is the, it funny? Is the name funny? The li- the name Lionel Train is mildly amusing. I don't think it's funny. It's mildly amusing. I don't train. Because all sorts of people play with their Lionel trains when they were a kid. I, I didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, older oh. people. We had sticks and rocks. I'm an old person. Well, we didn't play with Lionel trains either because we had the cheap off-brand ones, you know, the HO, H, 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 HO scale oh, ones. Rich but, kid. Uh, no, cheap ones. The cheap. <laughs> Is this an innuendo? <laughs> Playing with no. your Lionel train? <laughs> Is that why it's you... a brand it's name? A brand yeah, it's a brand name. It's a brand name. Yes, Lionel Trains is a, is a well-known and established brand name going back into the 1800s. I know, but why? Why? Yeah, why? It's mildly amusing. It's just a nod. Okay. It's a nod. It's a mildly amusing. I don't get it. Okay, but the thing that's amusing to me <laughs> it annoys the heck out of me is when I talk about the actors. Okay. Okay. Lionel Train is Jonathan Crombie. He's probably best known as the character Gilbert Blythe, the main love interest in the original 1985 Anne of Green Gables, which, uh, which oh. I know you've seen that. I have. It's not him, is it? Yeah, it's totally him. Oh, man, he got old. He ugly. got old and weird, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then I went down a Canadian rabbit hole because I discovered that he had been cast out of obscurity for that role in Anne of Green Gables by Diane Pauly, who is mother to Sarah Pauly. And she was husband, or she was wife to uh, Michael Polly, who plays Frank. Hmm. And, and and she was also the mother with her previous husband to John Buchan, who was casting director for this episode and eight other episodes of Slings and Arrows. Hmm. <laughs> so there's there's Polly and and uh, and related uh, Polly adjacent all over this series, apparently. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. And uh, he's he's also uh, he's a prolific casting director as his mother had been prior to. Uh, she was a casting director for her whole life until she died in 1990, and he was he's he's cast all sorts of things. I mean, I I can't even go into it. There were so many things that he's been he was casting director Wait, for. So the casting director of Slings and Arrows is the stepson to Michael Polly. Uh, yes. Okay. Do you think that's how Michael Polly got the job? Uh, it, it's, it's possible. It, 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 he says, Although Michael Polly is a bona fide actor in his own right. Also, uh, also, and he's really good in the role. And Michael and Michael Polly is ensemble cast, whereas John Buchan cast uh, nine episodes total. Do you think John Buchan got the job because of Michael Polly? It could be that way. Yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, and he was also uh, Jonathan Crombie. Was also the uh, man in the chair in the drowsy chaperone, chaperone. He took over for Bob Martin, who originated and wrote the role on Broadway. So there's that uh, Bob Martin connection again. Mm-hmm. Where we haven't seen Bob Martin again. But uh... anyway, uh, Lionel Train has a reputation for being overly sensitive and prone to changing everything. 
Uh, Emily makes some rookie errors reading stage direction, which I think I've seen people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives up to his reputation, reputation, and he wants to throw it all out. And then, uh, then Emily's oversensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily is starting to annoy me because she just has, like, two things. Like, being very abrasive and then just bursting into sobs. Right. Yep. You're but right. she's done that like four or five times since she's been introduced, so I'm kind of over that joke. I can be, yep. but I, I, I can get behind Ellen saying to someone should slap her. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I felt in that the same moment way. I was kind of like, yeah, sure, do it. Ellen, stand up. <laughs> uh, Richard uh, assembles and attempts his first uh, few uh, uh, blows on the clarinet. Again, any window? <laughs> oh, God, no. Not really, no. Uh, okay. Okay. Can I go into my clarinet spiel now? Please do. Okay. I. Here's how I reacted to this. Richard is putting it together correctly. It's not too hard to figure out if you've seen one, but there is a bridge key, a little metal piece that connects the top and bottom larger sections, and they have to line up. And if he doesn't figure that out, it's going to sound really strange and possibly not make some of the notes. Also, it's not an oboe nor a trumpet. If no one told him to keep his lower lip folded under, he's going to take a long time figuring that out if he figures it out at all. Five seconds later, yep, he thinks it's a trumpet. They're not meant to be held parallel to the floor like that, but anyway, hooray! He's taking Sanjay's advice and discovering his right brain side. I liked that about this scene. Totally. So, is so. What's the prepper? The prepper. The correct uh, way to hold it. Do you hold it at a forty-five degree angle to the floor? Basically, or more, or kind of a thirty-degree angle. Yeah, you're. Like if you almost not not perpendicular, but yeah. slightly up from that. Mm-hmm. But the, but the, yeah. The thing that amused me the most that that no one will ever know is that when you were talking about tucking your lip <laughs> under, Darcy was sitting here <laughs> tucking her lip under. <laughs> Well, we, she and I uh, both have uh, clarinet playing siblings, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not exactly the most intuitive thing about playing. No. I feel kind of out on the loop here, then. You all have clarinet knowledge. At least clarinet adjacent, yes. Yes. Yes, adjacent, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, the people thinking it's a trumpet thing really annoys me because it's both uncomfortable and unnecessarily difficult to play when it's pointed straight out and parallel to the floor like that. It's easiest to play when it's not quite vertical, but making maybe a, yeah, between a 30 and 45 degree angle with your body if you're standing up. So then that was a good stage direction or whatever, or acting choice. Yeah. He obviously has no idea. Very definitely, it was a very good acting choice. But he knew it wet as wet as reed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he probably That's... read it on YouTube. Sure. Uh, no, wait. No, not YouTube. <laughs> For YouTube. Oh my god! <laughs> he didn't start until two thousand five. Oh boy. Well, this is two thousand five. <laughs> he could have. He could have. It was this in its July two thousand five. Yeah, I know. May not have made its way all the way up to New Burbage. <laughs> Perhaps not. I have not entered the foreign market. At the bar, Sarah and Patrick resolve to talk to Jeffrey. That's all I got. Uh, there was a, a, a brief clip of uh, Henry holding forth on something or another. I didn't really listen to the clip. The, yeah. His quip. but uh, That was a really short scene. Yeah, it was really brief. It was basically just, uh, we need to talk to Jeffrey. I've noticed that Patrick's a lot of, uh, is, is definitely more of a follower in many ways. 
in uh, this episode, in, in the first episode. episode, though, he came out as the leader of the pack, right? Yeah. They are all getting drunk and talking about Queer as Folk a couple of scenes ago, or a couple of episodes ago. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Interesting. And actually, it's not really, it's not even, I mean, he definitely goes along with her her passion to talk to Jeffrey, but then when, uh, jumping ahead, which I shouldn't do as the host of the show, but uh, <laughs> jumping ahead, there was, uh, there's that scene later on where she's basically saying what's going on, and he's kind of like, oh, yes, yes, me too. I do like this scene, though, because it shows them, I like the dynamic that these two people have more than when we first meet them. Mm. And now I can kind of they they were kind of just thrown at us I think even like last episode like very quickly and so for them to finally kind of get it together I kind of like <clears throat> excuse me yes um, back at the audit uh, discussing the difference between a professional gift and a Christmas gift and then of course uh, asking her to name names <laughs> about all yeah. the people who are much worse than she is. In fact, yeah, she's the one who brings that up initially, and that's where I wrote, okay, I officially really don't like Ellen in this episode at all. She's the one who brings up, well, there are other people in the company who are worse than me, and I would just... Yes. Yes, uh, Sarah and Patrick convinced Jeffrey to help out in secret on their performances. Yeah, that's pretty much that. Yep. He's he's he's, uh, he's 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 bogged down in other things, but he ends up relenting. Uh, but uh, he is keeping it secret from from Darren rather than just uh, interfering. Uh, he's keeping true. He's keeping apparently true to his word on not interfering with his rehearsals. Uh, back at the uh, back at Lionel Train's workshop, Frank has an ill-advised realization about Lionel's script and the uh, the three little pigs. <clears throat> And uh, once more, it's time for them to scrap the entire thing. And then Lionel asks them to uh, to do some improv work, which was it was weird to me. I mean, basic, basic. I I I understand the uh, the point that uh, you're not really supposed to be a playwright saying, you know, don't do anything that I actually wrote, please. I I, I don't want anything that I wrote. But uh, on the other hand, actors should be a little bit better able to improvise, typically. Yeah, I, th- I wrote that down. I was like, okay, so they cannot improvise? That's a little odd. It is a bit But I did odd. like the uh, the fact that they did paraphrase the lines, and he's, he like gives a definition of paraphrasing. He says, stop paraphrasing, start paraphrasing. Yes. And that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, while, uh, while Richard is wailing away in the background, uh, Lionel discusses <laughs> the dilemma with Anna. Says that he's becoming a horrible person, and with that sales pitch, asks her out, and she says yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote, aw, Anna has an admirer. How sweet. I wrote, aw, he asked Anna out. <laughs> <laughs> I like Lionel Train. I don't know what your all's opinion on if if you find him very annoying because he's constantly overworking and going down to the minutiae. But I don't know. I, I maybe it's just the actor that I like. But I like uh, this guy. I think he breathes some I've, new air. He does into, bring new, new air. I've I've not participated in an actual uh, workshopping of a play, but I kind of was under the impression that you have something more than a first draft going into the first. Yeah. The, well, yeah. that was kind of the joke, Paul. Yeah, I know it was I the thought, gag. Yeah. Because that usually was. you come in and it's pretty solidified. Usually, if anything, you know, they'll break parts off or cut things or move things around. But it's still a pretty solid thing, usually. And that that was funny. I thought that was... Yeah, that was... yeah, the, the, the way they structured those lines, which I'm not going to quote right now because I might quote them later. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, they did put that together that way, yes. Right. But, it, okay, it was also kind of new to me. I don't really under, understand what workshopping a play is. Can you give me a definition? Um, let's see. It's pretty much what you're seeing, which is a series of readings. There's a cast involved, but they're not they're not in a performance. Um I mean, staged, re- staged readings happen a lot more than actual full-on workshopping. Mm-hmm. But usually, I thought the idea of a workshop was that eventually you get a performance out of it at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, that's generally it. I know um, when we do workshopping with youth theater, that's different. There's not always yeah. a performance because um, it's the, the workshop. Yeah, is, the process is, is the process. The is process what, is the point. Is the point for the kids, but. Um, generally speaking, yeah, there's a finished. Some, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a much much more collaborative point. product than a. Than there's there's not often a. There's usually not a direct. The, the point is kind of that there isn't a director that it's a collaboration. Oh yeah. No, it's it's a. You know, Does it, Do these happen a lot? It, for new shows, yeah, absolutely. And this, and that's the kind of what the. Uh, what the concept in the in a in a, a theater festival is is that you have some shows that are completely you know traditional staging and then some shows that are being developed for you know developed through the festival. Right. Well, without a director, like just yeah, you don't have your director. You don't have you don't have your you don't have your cat your real cast. You just have a cast. You right. don't have your it's director. Just... You don't have designers or anything at that point. It's just it's just working the script to get a good product to to bring to um, to fruition. Yeah. Okay. Because cool. I mean, you can work it through your head all you want. But it's right, not... and then when you use real people to see it, right? I mean, is that every time that there's a new play, does it get workshopped? I guess is what I'm asking. Just about that's the in, standard for in, the industry. In my experience in this town, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a part of the theater industry, and now I do. And it's 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 something that I've noticed myself. I, I, I have never been in a in a theater workshop, um, but one thing that I did notice. Um, in writing and then performing audio uh, fiction was that uh, there's a big step where you've finished writing all of your dialogue and then when you start to actually have it have to come out of someone's mouth, your own or someone else's mouth, you suddenly start to realize what's awkward in what you're trying, right. what you've written down. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a uh, uh, film equivalent, Paul? A film equivalent to workshopping? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I know that uh, I mean, just rehearsal, I guess. Yeah, like, the... like yeah, something that's extensively rehearsed. I mean, doesn't have to quite be the the Hal Hartley model where it's you know over rehearsed, but uh, something along the lines of how they did Dazed and Confused, um, where they worked with the actors for a good six to eight weeks of rehearsals and workshopping, and and sort of that some of the scenes in Dazed and Confused were developed with the cast. Uh, you know, as you know, the, the the script was fluid, and they worked on they worked out things that they developed on their own mm-hmm. as part of the final sh- final movie. But it wasn't it wasn't a process with just the script. Is there ever a process with just the script? I mean that that was that was kind of a I mean because they were they weren't doing camera um, blocking. I wonder if it's kind of I don't know like well storyboarding's different. But yeah, I was gonna say yeah, there's like story, but they do storyboarding in. That, I would say that's probably a good idea, just to start storyboarding so you can start getting an idea of what it's mm-hmm. going to look like. Right. you do storyboarding for live action right. all the time. And, you know, in theater, they don't just necessarily do storyboarding, but they have the... the um, blocking diagrams. The blocking diagrams. Yeah. And, yeah. And the, and the maquette. Yeah. But it's... um. And sometimes they shoot 
like a, a small part of a film just to kind of see how it works. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, as often as it sounds like theater workshops do. But that's just it's just an interesting concept that I guess makes complete sense now that we've talked about it, but I just never really thought about it before. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, like I said, I think the Dazed and Confused. Uh, partially, it's partially it's, I know so much about it because it's on their uh, it's on their uh, criterion. You know, their Criterion release. Mm-hmm. But you know, they do talk a lot about how they had the script, they worked with the script, they they you know had had parties where they read the script, they you know came up with stuff mm. before they were actually doing anything even close to the camera blocking or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see where we are. Where are we? Where are we? Uh, he Lionel Train asks out Anna uh, at the banquet scene. There's trouble with Banquo's ghosts costuming, <laughs> which leads to Jeffrey having an argument with Oliver in front of everyone, which, which leads to an epiphany. Which leads to an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Which yes. I thought was a great choice for the play. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I put the what did I put? Um, where is it? Oh, here it is. Since since in the script, the ghost of Banquo has no lines, this is a perfectly legitimate way to, stay the, to stage this scene. Having, ba- having Macbeth talk to an empty chair gives the impression that the ghost of Banquo is simply a figment of Macbeth's imagination brought on by his guilt, which would be consistent with Jeffrey's, but not Oliver's, vision of the play, namely, as Jeffrey says, it's a story about one man's guilt. This entire sequence of events, the banquet scene leading up to this epiphany, is just genius on the part of the TV writers and directors. This was the point at which I made the switch from disliking this episode to starting to like it. Yes, uh, I did. I did a fair amount of research on uh, on Macbeth and performances of Macbeth. It, it it looks like basically it's a, it's actually a fairly uh, common scholarly debate as to whether this whether the Ghost should be visible or not, and it has been performed in various ways throughout the years to various special effects. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a character. Um, there was a performance where the where the ghost was a beam of blue light, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there is a there is a, a bit of a debate among scholars as to whether there should be a literal ghost involved with the uh, interpretation of the script or not. Right, and you figure you know there's not like stage directions per se that would. Put that in there, depending on you know what what uh, version you're taking from. But right. generally speaking, no. So. Have you all ever done Macbeth, Darcy? I have uh, done. I'm trying to remember. Yes, I did, and it was. Um, Do you remember if the ghost was in there or not? The ghost was in there. So, ah. and it was, and you know, a lot of people go for it just because you know everybody loves blood. That's or. <laughs> And mean, meanwhile, um, just uh, while we're talking about what I was able to, what I managed to research by by typing in things on online, basically, uh, I could not figure out whether anybody has ever really done the uh, the, uh, the 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 naked Macbeth <laughs> and the body washing because every time I typed in Macbeth and washing, there was a whole lot about Lady Macbeth and washing the hands, but not a lot about uh, yeah anything that I was related to this, other than when I came up with slings and arrows hits. Right, mm-hmm. and right. I don't think that I've—I haven't seen that. It's pretty unique sounding. It does, sound but uh, it—you know—there's—it makes a fun point. It, mm-hmm. it, it is an interesting point. And so this uh, the, this epiphany leads uh, leads Jeffrey to realize that uh, that working the scene without a visible ghost could work, and Oliver can't stand this. Threatens to quit. Says that he is quitting. 
can't manage to disappear, and then Naum comes in, and and he's gone. And then he disappears. And I love, I like this. I wrote, uh, Jeff Oliver says, if you cut the ghost, I'll quit. And I responded in my notes, this is addressed to Oliver, quit, you're dead. You're not on the payroll anymore, nor is there a position on paper that will be left vacant if you quit. Jeffrey is already filling the one that was left vacant when you died. Oliver is still thinking and reacting along the same lines and following the same social rules as he did when he was alive. He still thinks threatening to quit is actually, you know, a threat. And furthermore, (laughs) in addition to that, I I noticed that one of Jeffrey's criticisms of Oliver when they're arguing in the theater was, you have turned this entire play into a parade of special effects. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Oliver's, Oliver's Macbeth is done with somewhat of the same approach as Oliver's a Mid- Midsummer Night's Dream that we saw in the first episode. Remember the sheep bleats that Ellen and Maria <laughs> were complaining about? Yes. <laughs> Consistently. Oliver is more focused on putting on the show and creating interesting special effects on the stage and doesn't appear to care a whole lot about the story or the acting or the power of the drama being played out like Jeffrey and Ellen do. And he's continued in these habits even after he's dead. Well, the thing that I found most amusing was that he he was basically saying, if you cut the ghost, I'm going to cut the ghost. I'm cutting myself out of this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You're right. That is funny. <laughs> you know, you brought up something, Paul. Okay. That Naum appears and Oliver disappears. Is that how it happened in the cold open, too? Did he disappear the second Naum walked in and when Naum left, reappeared? Yes, but I mean... It's, it's... Is Naum and Oliver ever on the same <laughs> screen at the same time? Uh, is not... Naum Oliver? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah. but I mean, it's interesting that... Um, the show is he disappears or runs away whenever Naum shows up. Yeah, the show isn't. The show is not consistent about whether Oliver can be in the same room with other people because obviously they do argue in full view of the entire cast on on frequent occasions. So it's not right. it's not a right, rule but that not Naum, but not Naum. Hmm. That is interesting. Who is the one there. who consistently puts out the ghost light? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and would like to see a ghost, right? So, but he just never throwing gets that to. Out there. That also, is interesting. We, we kind of just glossed over this, but we finally see the costumer in this scene. Yeah, she's yeah. wearing a uh, tape measure. Measuring tape, measuring which tape. is how I knew she was a costumer. Of Otherwise, I would not have known. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I've seen I've seen the costumer wearing a measuring tape on fr- frequent basis. So yeah, on this show? Uh, oh no, wait! Oh no, no, in real life. life. No, this other this, one over here. Yeah, this is the first time uh, we've seen the costumer, right? I think uh, no, I think she's in. Uh, she was- she's she's in the backstage. Ellen shouts at her. Yeah. Oh yeah, I vaguely remember that. Is this the same actress? I wonder. I think it was. I think. I and or does she have a name? No, she's. Uh, just- she's- I think she's listed in the cast. Well, I mean, she's as, just a costume. In the so in the in the in the in the in the, uh, in the cast uh, list, I believe she has a name, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm good. I'm glad they gave her a name. Yeah. <laughs> Not just costumer. Well, Not just uh, no, dresser. Dresser. Never forget that one. Lionel and Anna have their date. Uh, Lionel is obsessed with how real Anna is. They talk about Anna's. Uh, past and how real she is and then they decide to get blitz out of their minds mm-hmm. well, he, he decides it and she's like okay 
<laughs> and I wrote down, yay, Anna, so yeah. happy that she's finally getting the opportunity to loosen up and have some fun. Exactly. Again, this is why I like Lionel and uh, was very happy to see Anna not have to deal with Richard anymore for a change. Mm-hmm. Or stone 35-year-olds. <laughs> um, Ed and Ellen have a disagreement about Ed's reaction to his daughter wanting to be an actress. And they also have disagreements about Ellen's taxes and Ellen's approach to her life. And then, of course, they have sex. (laughs) (sighs) I wrote down, The argument into makeout session. Second time this season. It was even less of a surprise the second time. Come on, you guys. The joke's getting old. Also, that's your freaking brother-in-law. Ew. Just ew. Ew is right. (laughs) And he's not a terribly appealing-looking guy, at least no. the way they have him pictured. Either. No. He looks more like no. Seth Rogen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of... Um, the whole bra uh, argument <laughs> kind of made sense to me. Like, I think that she kind of had a point. She does have a point entirely. I think that that is like a form of office supply for It her. is a form it of is. office supply, so yes. it was $3,000. And I think that she should be lipstick. able to... To, uh, to claim that. Was it $900? Yes, $900 dollars of lipstick yeah. and uh, $120. How much does lipstick bra? cost? Like, how much does a tube of lipstick cost? Well, it depends cost? on what kind you buy. If it's... Stage? Middle of the road. Middle of the oh. road. Like, if I was just going to go up to Walgreens and buy, like, not the cheap, cheap ones, but it'd yes, be, like, eight, eight bucks. Something to buy Revlon. Eight dollars? Yeah. Eight dollars. So, so she bought at least a hundred tubes of toothpaste? Well, she's tube. not buying that. She's <laughs> buying the expensive stuff. She's yes. buying the... What's uh, the expensive the stuff? The Lancome. <laughs> and that, and See, that's, I, like, I, 30, I that's $30 that a tube. So that's... So what is that? Uh, So thirty, and you could totally, yeah, yeah, you could picture thirty of those. I can picture, yeah, in a year, totally. Mm -hmm. Especially Mm -hmm. if she does like five shows a week or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that is also justified. That is justified. I agree with both of you guys, and I, I was also convinced. I her argument for bras being a work um, necessity convinced me too. Yeah. Even though it's a work bra, nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. <laughs> yes, it's a work bra. No one sees it. The, the 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 fact that no one sees it had to be uttered at all is amusing. Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> uh, Patrick and Sarah are running and running and running <laughs> lines. Uh, which which takes a direct opposite approach to Darren's approach. Darren's approach is he is intellectualizing everything, and here they're not allowed to think at all. They're just acting on instinct. Mm-hmm. It's all Complete physical. polar opposite opposite of the approaches. Right. But they also have their heart rate up and their endorphins running. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So oh, they have energy. Great, yeah. yeah. They have energy, but the ener- energy and instinct is what they're what they're operating on. They're not they're directly instructed not to think. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they and by doing so, by just acting on instinct, they do a fantastic job of performing or running the lines of that scene. I really loved this sequence, and I especially loved it at the end when we see Jeffrey looking content and happy about it and the exchange thank you. No, thank you. Yes, and they it just made me smile. And they and they and they pull out their theatrical mag- magic uh, harp uh, audio cue. <laughs> yeah. When, when it when it starts to get especially good, it's a is that is that pizzicato or is that harp? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's harp. Anyway, it's that theater magic cue that they pull out when there's theater magic happening. 
Theater magic. Oh, weird, I missed it. Jeez, guys, must, it's just... Subconsciously recognized it, but... Yeah, there's some interesting scoring later on in this episode, but that 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 particular bit was uh, was was just, it was part of their part of their good stock of uh, theater magic. Mm. Yeah, they have the, the they have the the interesting discordant stuff during the uh, the final performance and them working their lines uh, working their lines uh, with nachos at the end. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Uh, Ellen is on the phone with her sister, apologizing for uh, keeping Ed late, and apologizing to the kids for apologizing for keeping her late and apologizing. Hey, Paul, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you say the word sorry? <laughs> sorry. Yes, yeah, I can say now sorry. Now he's saying sorry, but he often <laughs> says sorry. Shorey? Sorry. Because that's sorry. what Ellen says. Oh, she says sorry. I know it's yes. just her thick Canadian accent, but man, it really shone through in the scene. And I was, I thought that I, you kind of, you don't have the Canadian accent, but you I've have the Minnesotan accent. I've got the Minnesota, Minnesota accent. Yeah. Some, Sometimes some it shines out in this podcast. That. Say that. Say sorry. Some do. Yes. North, North Dakotans say sorry. I can blend in with Canadians. I, 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 I hung out in, I hung out in Ontario <laughs> and, um, Went to the ballpark and was talking to someone about beer, and they were they were uh, you know I was trying to ask them what the what the best recommended beer was at the ballpark, which they had uh, a variety of the local stuff, uh, local good stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, the Waterloo Dark, I think, was what they were they were going with at that point. That they were talking about how they uh, some some dumb Americans were were uh, you know trying to you know find the Labats or whatever it was. I don't know exactly what the uh, what the exact context was, but I was I was like. Uh, well, yeah, I'm a dumb American, but uh, <laughs> I'm an American anyway. Yeah, not dumb. Yeah, I'll go for the Waterloo Dark. I always liked Molson, which is probably also. Oh blast my gosh! <laughs> ew. No Molson. No. Ew, ew, ew. Man, that was a staple for a little while in my twenties. Oh boy. Molson Ice. Maybe that. Maybe twenties is is the key there. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Labats and Molson is okay. It's all right. It's like I would I imagine Budweiser and Miller to them is Moosehead. Moosehead's another one in the uh, in the Molson Labatt's mm-hmm. Moosehead. Uh, but uh, you know, then then you then you graduate up to the uh, the Sleeman's Cream Ales and the uh, the Waterloo Dark and the uh, Moose Drool. Moose Drool's good. Moose Drool's awesome. Wonderful brown ale. All right. And anyway, beer, beer, beer. That is a tangent bill. Except for I don't have a bill. <laughs> Christmas tree still up. Yeah, there's a bell over there somewhere. <laughs> um, oh, I thought you were just making an observation. <laughs> no, there's a bell. I could go get the bell. Do we need a bell? Every time a bell rings, <laughs> it still gets its wings. Oh, Anna, Anna gets to uh, talk to Ellen about her date, and Ellen uh, breaks down a little bit, which uh, prompts Anna to go in and talk to Richard, who is in a weird shirt, kind of playing Danny Boy. Kind of. <laughs> Like two notes. Yep. Yep. I would have bare. I don't know if I would have recognized it if it weren't for the closed captions. I might have gotten it after thinking about it for a second. And her recognizing it. I mean. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And says, Anna oh, recognized it's, it. It's Tanny Boy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so she asks him about possible trouble in rehearsals, and uh, he seems to have really uh, kind of checked out on the whole theater thing, and he's working on his clarinet because he's kind of like, well, you know, it's his previews, whatever. It's all going to hell in the handbasket. So. Whatevs, it's good in the hood. Yeah, play my clarinet. Break out the fiddle and start some fires. <laughs> Johnny rosin up your bow. <laughs> That's not exactly where I was going, but I sure. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, 
Jeffrey lays out all his personal plans for Macbeth to the cast, including cutting the ghost, restoring the body washing scene over Henry's audible non-objection objection, and he's also the the other fun thing that I noticed that was to, just kind of really tossed in at the last minute after those two major things, the ghost and the uh, the body washing. He also incorporates his what he discovered with Romeo and Juliet, and says he wants. Uh, Mackers and Lady M to be breathless and unable to, you know, thinking impulsively in their scenes rather than, you know, drawing it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I took note of that and I saw, I thought I loved, I loved how it's interesting. He take, took the that idea and inspiration he got from the scene that he just had with Patrick and Sarah and took it and applied it to Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, which is totally like him but it's a really interesting choice because Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are very different characters in a very different situation it doesn't seem like an intuitive choice from a theatrical standpoint but I'm interested to see how it works out yeah and uh I mean the other thing that I noticed after that was that there is an exception I mean basically uh you know they're they're highlighting that Henry is not following this direction so obviously he he you know tosses away the rag, you know, that's, that's, that's the obvious part, but there's also quite a bit of air in those lines between the two of them. They're, 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 clearly, yeah. they're clearly not picking up that pace the way he suggested. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I did notice that. Is, I didn't, but now that you mention it, I kind of recall that. Is Ellen picking up the pace and other dudes not? Uh, no, I didn't really see her picking up the pace. Okay. Uh, I think, I mean... To some extent, they're still on on team actor, and right. she's 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 um, she's on his team. Yeah, she's much more on his team, according to right, how, right. how uh, Oliver was talking about earlier. You know, what do you mean going over to the dark side? He's she's always been on his side. There are the actors in your management, right? Uh, so th- yeah, this is the end. Of the, basically, the end of the episode. Uh, Patrick and Sarah are, are uh, working those lines, much as the. Uh, much as the, uh, the the Hamlet lines were run during the first season. <laughs> yeah, was, I kind of wish they didn't cut intercut those two together, but that was it was a little odd, and I don't think they had earned that yet. But because uh, it would have been good just to see Ellen and uh, whoever's playing Macbeth, I forget his name, Henry. Henry, uh, like just see that and not the inner interplay with the Romeo and Juliet people. I understand what they're doing, so they kind of keep that in our mind. But yeah, I and I mean, I don't know if it worked well enough yet. Yeah, and it may also, I, I don't know, it could come down to just the timing at the end of the episode as well. I mean, there's yeah, and they've got it all you know, tied together with the sort of discordant, weird, uh, <coughs> you know, music cueing that's. Uh, some fresh scoring here that isn't part of their normal stuff, and uh, and at the end of the Romeo and Juliet scene, I can't I can't remember. I know she was unbuttoning his shirt. Are they making out, or did oh, it go that far? I think they went all the way. Are they okay? <coughs> all right. So that was that also mirrors then because yes, exactly. They go all the way to one extreme, and uh, uh, Jeff and Henry go all the way to the other extreme. So that kind of works. Yeah, basically, uh, they they end up uh, they end up going all the way apparently, and then uh, Jeffrey and Henry have the uh, confrontation where Jeffrey says, uh, "You're not listening to my direction. You're you're uh, actively uh, defying me, and uh, I'm not going to have it. And you're uh, fired. And Jerry is going to be going on next. Nice. Yeah. Who's Jerry? 
<coughs> Jerry is Jerry, yeah, Jerry is the guy who oh, like, yeah. crashed oh, his bike. Oh, sweet. Good. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's the I understudy. Like yeah, and then Jeff says that he's going to go talk to somebody tomorrow. Who is he going to go talk to? Did you catch that? I think it was just uh, Jerry was going on tomorrow. Uh, okay, maybe maybe that's what I heard, and I thought it meant something else. Okay. And that's the end of the episode. Was. That is the end of the episode. Uh, do we want to go straight into quotes? Do we have feedback? Or we don't uh, have if we don't have any feedback, don't have any feedback, I don't have anything... I don't have anything in general to say, so sure. Quotes. Okay, we can do some quotes. Uh, Would you like me to go first, or does someone else want to jump in? Go for it, Amy. Okay, I'm going to go with with this comment from Oliver, just because it's so like Oliver. During one of the scenes where uh, Jeffrey and Oliver are in the storage room talking about their situation, Oliver says, you know, I'm in hell. This is my hell, not being able to give notes. <laughs> yep. Still thinking like he's a director or a co-director. Uh, do you have any, uh, Ben? Uh, I have a couple, but I'll, I'll, do, I'll throw this one out. Yeah, my absolute favorite line, or two lines, I guess, interaction between two people, is when Lionel and Anna are on the date, and Lionel says, let's get drunk out of our minds, and she says, okay. <laughs> Just because of the delivery yeah. of Anna and, you know, I really like Anna and I'm glad that she's, she's always like stressed out and freaked out and I'm glad she can actually have a moment to herself. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great delivery. It, it also kind of rounds out that character a little bit more, makes her a little more dimensional. Uh, I've got uh, Sanjay says, you know what you should do? Richard says, what? Sanjay says, go crazy. With, to which Richard replies, I was really hoping you'd say something constructive. <laughs> Good choice. <clears throat> I'm going to say, uh, this is Lionel. I've worked and reworked this material, and though it feels strange for me to say this, I like it. It's a pretty <laughs> solid first draft. Yeah, that's a great line because it worked and reworked. It's a solid first <laughs> yeah. draft. For the first draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen says, I plead ignorance, Okay. Is there a way I could plead that? Officially, I mean. I think the U.S. government has come out and said that you cannot do that yeah. in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have said that, yes. Uh, everybody pays taxes, Ellen. That's why we have highways and hospitals and parks. And the only reason why I have this in here is because I am actually kind of pro-tax for that exact reason. Because mm-hmm. I really I hate the fact when some people in our country are very anti-tax and want to cut taxes... Uh, I'm a little bit weird on the income tax, especially since I know the history of the income tax, and the reason why we have it was so that prohibition would become a thing back in the day, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we didn't have income tax until the 1920s. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And I kind of, and we're, I think we're, and this may be wrong, but we we are one of the only countries in the world that actually does a taxable income. I can understand property tax and just, you know, welfare tax or whatever, Mm -hmm. but, or sales tax. But income tax is a little weird. Anyways, I'm getting off track. Uh, the point of taxes is to rebuild the infrastructure of a country. So I was kind of happy that was mentioned. Yes. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> January, go pay your taxes. Uh, as soon Sounds as I get, like a- I wait till the I, I wait till January 31st because that way I make sure I have all of my T forms or S forms or whatever. T slips. T slips. T slips. Well, uh, now, yeah. now we've heard from our uh, resident uh, tax-and-spend liberal. 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> I like to pay my taxes. Too. There you go. And yeah. I like to drive on roads. Driving on roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't drive on. I don't have a car. And I like the fact I, that if I call the, the, yes, we, the we do fire enjoy, department, that they will come. And we, and we, yes. And you do enjoy mm-hmm. transit as well. You do, I do quite enjoy a bit of transit. transit. Yes. Oh, I love transit. It's awesome. And hospitals and parks. Yes. I love parks. Parks are, are awesome. Parks are mm-hmm. so. I agree. Oh, and the police. I like the police. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, without them. <laughs> No, I like just, the police. Just too. think about it. You know. There is a thin blue line. There, there is a thin blue line. <laughs> yes, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, any any other uh, quotes hanging out there that anybody's got uh, burning a hole in their uh, quote pocket? I like the you know, somebody just slapper. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember the exact <laughs> something along something like those that. lines. Well, because I think that all four of us were kind of thinking something along those lines when uh, Emily started sobbing again, again, again. Like, man, I mean, I think that has happened every single episode. I think you're right. I think all four episodes that haven't had her in it. She's had a, a breakdown. That's her one-trick pony. Really? Okay, I, I only remember her breaking down with the uh, with, with Henry in the, uh, in the calling time too early. I actually have a couple of other quotes. Okay. One of them is from the scene, one of the early scenes, Sanjay talking to Richard. You are a prisoner of your own rationality, and it's making you miserable. You're stunting your own growth, Richard. Set your mind free. I like that. And then at the very end, here's a very particularly awesome, funny moment from this that I really liked. Um, When Jeffrey is firing Henry, Henry says, You are insane. And Jeffrey answers, Not at this moment. (laughs) Yep. So he's like halfway admitting, yes, I am insane sometimes. Right, right. But not right now. So I I really like choice. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I agree. So are we ready to rate? Sure. Darcy, would you like to rate first? Sure. I'm going to give it um, six out of ten uh, prop couches. Prop couches. (laughs) Light and uncomfortable. Yes, light cool. and uncomfortable. And uh, seriously, that's kind of how this episode was for me. It was uncomfortable. I really... There wasn't... I, I just... I had a hard time getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hard time... Um, you know, I enjoyed little tiny bits, but not as much as I enjoyed a lot of the first season. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it gets better from here. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I had a very different reaction. Uh, I actually really liked this episode. Um, I really liked the interaction between Jeff and Oliver and the action interaction between Anna and Lionel. And I even liked the Romeo and Juliet kids. Um, the only thing I did not like was basically anything that involved Ellen. <laughs> so I'm going to give this eight and a half uh, work bras. <laughs> <laughs> That half one is just one cup. One cup. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you happen to have a third breast. Right, right, right. I total recall. Total happen. recall. There you go. Or eccentric or blowouts. Oh, we said that at the same time. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I, I, I could hear it coming. I, I stumbled on it getting it out because I knew it was coming and I, I had to... Eccentrica <laughs> Columbus. Eccentrica Columbus. That's right. <laughs> that the is awesome. triple-breasted horror of Eroticon 6. Eroticon 6. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. should, may I go next? <laughs> yes. Okay. 
I actually I agree with Darcy. I also felt uh, fairly uncomfortable during a lot of scenes, although the good parts that Ben pointed out were definitely really good parts. But nonetheless, between the uncomfortable scenes with Ellen being terrible and the really painful theater people failing at improv improvising on this supposed first draft of a play, I decided to go with six out of ten laps around the theater. Nice. So it was uncomfortable initially and then I started to like it more at the end. Yeah, yes. I think there's I think there's a fine line between um, you know building tension and just making people uncomfortable and I think maybe they possibly straddled a little bit to the uncomfortable side for you guys. For me, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought there was there the, what I, what I didn't like was I, I didn't like that I and and it's probably my own reaction, but uh, that uh, Darren kind of crossed the line from being the comic relief to being a little bit more of a uh, an asshole. Yeah. Um, and then also, I just felt like uh, I felt like episode four of six was a little late to introduce a whole new uh, character, Lionel Train, and his workshop. Although, as Darcy pointed out to me off off pod, that uh, you know, in rep, that's kind of how things go. You get things going on one thing, and then another thing starts in as you're getting up to speed on finishing yeah. so something else. So you didn't else, like so. that, but yeah. I did like that because it was real. Yeah, it was yeah. consistent. Yeah, it felt like... Once, once show's going into previews, you have one in rehearsal and one just starting. So. Yeah, but in terms of a television season, it felt like a late development. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I went with uh, six out of ten uh, paradigmatic transformations. <laughs> Good one. Nice. Um, I think you spelled that correctly, even. Good job. <laughs> hey, I was second place in the city of St. Paul in eighth grade. I know. There Look at go. that. There you go. It's a good speller. If it wasn't for ukulele, I could have... Uh, and, and plus, you know, ukulele is listed as an alternate spelling the way I spelled it. Hey, kids, you want to know what our homework is? Uh, sure. For next episode, we've got episode five, Steeped in Blood. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Anybody want to predict anything about the? I mean, obviously the episode titles don't often have direct uh, connection no. to the episode, but uh, anybody have a prediction of what's happening in the rest of the season? This would have been a good episode title for this episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not yeah. only because literal blood, but then somebody you know gets fired at the end. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do you guys th- think somebody's actually going to die? Hmm. <laughs> well, who could die at this point? Uh, Darren, uh, Henry, um, the guy on the bike, uh, uh Jerry. That That's Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, so that they have to bring Henry back. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Romeo or Juliet's gonna die. No. They finally fixed that. That's a thing now. Right. Um, <laughs> who's in charge of this? That, who's the, the slick corporate type? Mr. Archer, although he's not been credited at or not been mentioned on screen as Mr. Archer yet, but hmm. and he's a board member. No. He's a board member. He works so, for yeah. Saint yeah, Rock's yeah. Water. Yeah, That's right. I, mean, I don't we think he's going to die, but I mean, if if someone was going to die, maybe one of them. Yeah, could be mm-hmm. hard to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward. What to if? It. What if? What if? Uh, Ellen's brother-in-law dies. Mm. She has to live with the secret that she slept with them right before. Oh, okay. boy, that that's kind of you know just desserts right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. But if Henry died and Henry shows up as a ghost with Oliver, <laughs> both <laughs> <but> Jeffrey. 
That would also be pretty good. That would be pretty hilarious. Well, if uh, any of this happens, (laughs) we'll be back again next week to talk about this. Kind of the end of giving it the wait, wait ending. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners. If any of that happens, we'll be back again to talk about that. You know, I've never been to that show. They record it really close to, well, not really close, but just downtown at the Chase Auditorium. Yes, I've been wanting to get, I've been wanting to get down there for it, and plus they happened to sneak in and out of town once recently and here in the yeah, Twin Cities. Every once in a while, come and go. I went to the other guy. Not, uh, I went to What Do You Know? With yeah, Michael I went. Selby. I went to, to What Do You once. Know in uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah it was I, awesome. Yeah, I had a lot. Of, he's that guy's a little bit of a. Uh, my mom does and does not like him because he's a little bit of a chauvinist, she says, mm-hmm. which I could see. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, I like Peter Sagal a lot more. But, yeah, we had a good time. We saw him when we went to Louisville or when I was in Louisville. Ah. Hmm. Okay, well, I think that's another <laughs> tangent bell ring, and we can, uh, we can say that we're uh, done for the week unless anybody has anything further on Slings and Arrows. Mm, no. I'm ready to say good night. All right. Well, this is a uh, good night from Elk River, Minnesota, from me and and me, Darcy. Good night from Omaha, Nebraska, from Amy Bowen. Oh, Alvita say from Chicago. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. King Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff finds Duncan dead. The Ghostlight Podcast and many other fine podcasts can be found at quadruplez.com. You can send your own feedback to us in a number of ways. We are on Twitter at GhostlightPC. Find us at Facebook.com slash groups slash GhostlightPodcast. Please keep discussion there spoiler-free. If you want to comment on future episodes, the newbies don't check the phone or email. Call our voicemail line, 206-309-9389. Or email us, theghostlightpodcast at gmail.com. The theme music for Season 2 is Macbeth on Broadway by Jonathan Mann and is used by permission. Find out about all of Jonathan's work at jonathanmann.com. Haunted by the ghosts of those he's slain. He goes back to the witches. They say beware my Alright, I'm I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna get up and cross the room and grab the uh, DVD case because once again I didn't write down the next episode's title. Okay. Um, so this is where we do the filler part. The homework, right? I'm gonna I'll get to that. What is our homework, Paul? Oh, I'll tell you what our homework is. See if I get to it before you get to it. You know exactly what our homework is. What is our homework? You, you want to know what our homework is? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, our homework. So Macduff's wife and child are killed with great pain. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. Don't Just an FYI, you're gonna have a lot of cat noises in the background. Oh, we know. Yes. Okay. All right. They're actually they're about to fight. Oh, are Hold they? It for a second, I'm gonna go fight, get the spray fight, bottle. Fight. fight, fight. <laughs> You're going to go break it up? Cat fight club. No, I'm going to get this spray bottle. Okay. Because they're starting at each other and I'm just going to say, hey, no. You go down to the basement. You go behind the tree. Oh, she's going to eat the tree. Mm, it's okay. Got to take that tree down. Tomorrow. Ugh. All right. Back on. Just 350 some odd days early. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Leave it up. Dust it off. Um, yes, yeah, so he's, uh, he's...
crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. That, that, I'm going to roll that out gradually. Darcy's going to be one. Oh. <laughs> I think that's what he was talking about. Spoiler alert. Ah, uh, okay. I'm not going to roll out the other ones. Oh, okay. Who are, you know, various, uh, you know, pod, pod liberties and, uh, okay. and, you know, people, we'll figure it out. people of importance in, in the culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. So. Are you saying I'm not important? No, I'm saying that people have love a level of importance in the culture. Oh, in the culture, I'm not important in the culture. Got it. Okay. Yes, you're important in the household. Yeah, nice cover. Hmm. <laughs> so, I hear the makings of a domestic dispute. I, have, I am armed with cough drops. I'm going to start throwing <laughs> out on the battlefield. Macbeth hears a scream. His loving wife is dying. In a battle with Macduff, Macbeth fights and loses. Macbeth is going to the other side. Okay, so we need to do a one-minute plot synopsis. <clears throat> Ooh, want one of these? No, no, I'll just uh, drink some more uh, Irish cream. That'll do wonders oh, for the uh, frog in the throat, right? Right. Mm. <laughs> My mom used to give me whiskey. Well, there you go. <laughs> she did, for serious. <laughs> Can that be the cold open? <laughs> My mom used to give me whiskey. <laughs> yeah, you know there weren't, there weren't a lot of options in the in the in the early seventies for you know cough medicine and. Macbeth's gone to the other. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. King Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff. We just doing the one minute episode this time. I mean, we're in the song right now, right? So Yeah, we're in the yep. song. Darcy, are you doing I've... the one-minute recap? Darcy? I, oh, I've done it. Your, it's your turn. I think I dropped it. I dropped the ball entirely. Well, it's supposed to be spontaneous It's anyways. spontaneous, right? You want to try to? Right now. You got it. I'm not sure I do. Oh, sure. A bunch oh, of shit happens. I got to get fired. Christ. I can't even remember what happened. Seriously, dudes, this has been a bad week. This just happens, and the guy gets fired. Who got fired? Henry. Henry. That was the big. That was the oh, big dramatic yeah. moment at the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. Plus, Juliet flipped a gay guy. Yeah, she sure did. 